Hi, welcome to Music Major Meltdown. My name is Sam. My name is Blake. Blake, how you been this week? Um, been good. Sam, let me ask you, is your room getting perpetually worse? I'm a little bit concerned about the cardboard buildup in there. Oh, the cardboard buildup is disgusting. Um, I am aware of this. To be fair, it's not so... This room got worse so that the rest of my apartment could get better. This cardboard was building up in like four different locations around my apartment. And I decided just to consolidate it all into one giant pile where I will be honest, I have no idea what to do with it. Decorate the room in cardboard. I think everyone would like to see that. Uh, Yeah. That's the general reaction from everyone else. If we had a live studio audience, I I would have been in favor of that move. But that was, it was that was not your smartest decision there, Blake. Because suddenly you were just clapping for yourself and made you seem arrogant. But that's okay. Sometimes we're arrogant, and that just happens some days. Um, But yeah, I will get that out of here at some point. I just, I have to cut a lot of it down to fit into our recycling bins because our recycling bins all have lids and so like, and they're like the little like hand ones. So I, yeah, either need to do that or just drive it out to a recycling plant somewhere, but maybe in, a future podcast, it'll be gone. in the comments below. Waste of comments. Don't put anything in the comments about this. You're just wasting your time. Oh, no, that's great. Right. Another comment. You can put as many comments as you want. Moving on, moving on. We want to throw out there a also just very briefly, we're recording this on Wednesday, January 20th, which is inauguration day for President Biden. We just want to wish pre- uh, newly inaugurated President Biden all the best. Good luck out there. It's a tough country that you live in, but I just want, I was inspired by your speech. I think many Americans on both sides of the aisle were inspired by your speech. So good luck to you. Yeah. Wishing them good luck um, and wishing them uh, success, especially uh, in the for, for their goals for the first 10 days and for the first 100 days. Um, yeah, let's uh, hopefully get out of this pandemic. It's a new beginning, so. Um, All right, should we dive into our topics for the week? Let's do it. All right, Blake, we're going to start with you. Your songs of the week. Go My for it. Um, so this week, I um, kind of going back into my heavier roots. I feel like I've been kind of going uh, with um, some more indie and alt stuff. And so I wanted to get like, really like, this is my hard rock roots. Uh, so I chose Queens of the Stone Age. Um, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, they were formed uh, by Josh Homme like 1998 or something after his previous band broke up. Uh, and he's been the only rem- the only consistent member of the band. He's our lead guitarist, main songwriter, and vocalist. Um, and he's been the only member that has remained consistent in the band through all their years. So he's their completely creative force. So he's basically like what Brendan Yuri is to Panic at the Disco. I, I mean, basically. I understood that reference. Yes. Yes. There you go, Sam. Something you actually understand when it comes okay. to music. Okay. <laughs> when it comes to your music, when it comes to your music, sure. Okay. Yes. I thought you were about to just 
level, level, perhaps the worst music major insult there is just by saying you don't understand anything about music. Because ultimately, it's true for every music major. You don't actually know anything. Like, that's, that's where you really start understanding you're a music major is when you accept the fact that you know nothing because music doesn't have a method to the madness. Like, they trick you and try to tell you there is. And then they show you everything that breaks the rule. <laughs> they they, they tell you, like, hey, this is how you write music. And we're like, great, this makes sense. Let's get to it. And then they're like, awesome. If you want to write good music, don't follow any of those rules. And we're like, but what? why did we just spend four semesters in music theory studying them if we're going to break all those rules? Uh, I'm not supposed to do a one four five one chord progression every time. What? Oh boy! Uh, for all the non-music majors out yeah, there who just sorry. heard that, um, one. Uh, well, first of all, it is true that most of a class called music theory, which the title speaks for itself, is based on studying things that many composers did use and used well, but then also then learning that none of it. Like, you can understand what composers are doing in the lens of that. But when you're writing your own music or even studying composers after the year, like, 1850, roughly, People composers after mold. the year 1850, they started just breaking the mold willy-nilly. Started it with Beethoven. Moved. It makes yeah. music better. It does. It or does. It diversifies but... music anyways. It's not that it necessarily one's better than the other, but it makes it we're not everything sounds the exact same exactly um, that's my where we suddenly got very off topic from yeah, you okay we, so uh let's, let's keep let's keep pursuing this line of thought oh first. my goodness okay like i, I think this is interesting i just, it is. I, just it is. All right. comment, I just wanted to comment briefly that i think that what you just said about how it makes music more interesting here's a real unpopular opinion and i and i acknowledge it's unpopular I think Mozart is overrated, quite frankly. Right, that think, is an unpopular opinion. I, I, I think Mozart, why I think Mozart is excellent. I think he writes fantastic melodies, and I think he does really great work. Like, it's fantastic, and he deserves recognition, but people classify him as, like, the greatest to ever live. And it's like, okay, top 10, sure, but there's, there's so many other, and, and, and even top five when you factor in his influence on other composers. I think his influence is probably like one or two, Beethoven probably being. The yeah. If, yeah. If you're classifying composers based on influence, it's like Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart are the top three because they have all influenced like everything. Output, maybe he's not, you know, outside yeah. the normal classical crowd, like the guy, just because he was so formulaic. Exactly. And that's my biggest complaint is yes, a Mozart piano sonata sounds nice, but you listen to 10 of them in a row and you might not even notice that they have one has ended and another has began because they're so formulaic, you can predict them as they go. That's, which is a fair point. I mean, it, it, and I, again, again, I acknowledge, first of all, unpopular opinion. 
And I also am by no means saying that Mozart was a bad composer because I acknowledge he was an excellent composer. But so many other composers, I think, wrote more interesting music than he did. I think a lot of it you have to give Mozart credit for is the massive amount of music he wrote in like as a little time as he was alive. Like he wrote that is so true. much. That is very true. He wrote, he, he did write an incredible amount of music in, how old was he? Like 35 is when he died? Yeah, like he wasn't that old. I don't remember specifically. Uh, you know what? Now I'm curious. Yeah, you, yeah you, you search it up. I was about to do it. Upper, uh, he was an age. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah, same. 35. Yep. Early death uh, of 35. And I think during that time he was writing, I think he was writing uh, one of his masses. Yes, I think you're right. Because I, because I, performed, sure. I performed it. Um, I performed the Lacrimosa from, I'm what? pretty sure the mass he wrote on his deathbed. Did he finish that mass? Somebody, like, he had notes for the rest of it, and somebody did the oh, rest somebody, of it. somebody made what they think he would have made for it. Right. <clears throat> Interesting. I'm trying to remember what it was. That's the B minor mass, I think, is the one with Lacrimosa. That's a B minor, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Y'all, I... I didn't finish I, the Requiem for the Mass in D minor. Oh, okay. So Lacrimosa was the B minor Mass, but the one that he wrote on his deathbed was not the B minor Mass. Is that what you're saying? Um, no, the Lacrimosa might have been the one D minor. I'm not really sure, but he was in the process. And actually that... I'm glad we're talking about this now because I actually have something later to bring up about that, but I won't spoil it. So, oh, wow. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so massive output. I, I, I get your point. Um, for those of our pop music people who aren't really like cultured in the classical music, like even as a music major, like I still am very like much not as much as I probably should be. Into um, classical music? Yeah, like I yeah. don't really listen to it anymore now that I don't have to study it. Though mm -hmm. I do enjoy it when I hear it in movies or in performances or whatever, but I just, I don't seek it out that much on my own. But it is very vastly interesting. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. we're so accustomed to the timbres of our time you know, having modern guitars and keyboards and well, a lot of programming you software know. now. We don't, you know, you mm -hmm. know, you're not going to find any of that in Bosco music. So it's kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I just this brings up a perhaps an interesting point and maybe other people have talked about this idea, but um, it's sort of I think one of the main things to keep in mind when listening to classical music is that it was intended to be listened to live. Yes. You would go somewhere and either hear like a soloist just play on their own the music by themselves, or 
go see a massive symphony orchestra play the piece of music, or at the very least, you would be around somebody else or even you yourself were playing it on an instrument in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that's how music was experienced, was through live things. Right. And then with the dawn of being able to record music on vinyl and then that improving, improving, and they'll make it cassettes and CDs and now fully digital music. I think just the necessities of what music can be have changed. Yeah. That music is written not to experience live, but to have an experience with other people of a recording. Right. And, and, you know, and there's still, still like, perform live, but. Yeah, because there is like a, an argument to be made that some bands, some musicians, their music is made to be live. Like I've, I've heard of bands um, actually, Queens of the Stone Age earlier band, uh, Caius, b- before they became Queens of the Stone Age or before Josh formed the band, I should say, they did, um, they didn't have a recording deal right away and they um, were known for their live performances. And so it was kind of hard to translate their material to the studio. Um, And so eventually they were able to grasp that live sound, but that's what got them noticed was their live performances, not their recorded material. So I think there are still like musicians that certainly their forte is their live performances. And it's just finding the best way to get that recorded. Whereas take the Beatles, for example, you can't, there was stuff that they recorded in the 60s that at the time they couldn't replicate live. It was impossible to perform half their stuff. Like they didn't tour anyways because they hated it, but that gave them the liberties to record some of the stuff they did because they knew they were never going to have to perform it live. Yeah, absolutely. And so I suppose, because I mean, we do have other things we want to talk about. So I think we've we, we've discussed this topic enough, but I suppose what I would encourage the people out there that maybe think that they they just don't like classical music at all, or they just, or they're like, okay, cool, but they're not that interested in it. And I know this is poor timing for this advice, but hear me out. Try to experience it live. Before, <laughs> yes, I know we're in a pandemic and we can't do live music, but maybe one of the things, and almost every city has, as a symphony orchestra that plays really excellent music live. Yeah. Give it give it a chance and go and see one of your local groups or maybe something a little bit further out if they tour, because I know some orchestras tour, things like that. Give classical music a chance by listening to it the way it was meant to be listened to, which is live. And, you know, adding to that, you may never, like put it on your phone and listen to it after that. But at least you can experience it and have the appreciation for it. Like I have such an appreciation for classical music. I don't listen to it. Like I don't just put in my headphones and pull up Bach on Spotify. I just don't do that. But if I go and hear a performance, it's very captivating. It's very great to um, experience that. And it's a nice treat. It's a nice you know, a variant to have in music listening as opposed to just always listening to pop music. Yeah.
sorry, you cut out of my screen there for a second. Oh boy. Um, I missed what you said at the end, but I'm going to assume that we're going to move forward. So back to forward. So back to Queens of the Stone Age. Of the Stone Age. I'm sorry. I am, I'm sure I look like or I sound like an idiot right now because I have no idea what just happened. But moving forward, Queens of the Stone Age. Okay, you froze on my screen. It's fine. Um, but Queens of the Stone Age. So basically, um, Josh Homme is the lead guitar well the guitarist singer main songwriter so over the years they've kind of had a lot of people come in and out of the band um and the two songs i chose by them come from the same album and it's called like clockwork um i had mentioned before like a couple of my favorite albums being the suburbs by arcade fire and a rush of blood to the head by coldplay well if those are my top two which i can't really decide which one's one um this is probably number three for me, like Clockwork by Queens of the Stone Age. I just really love this album. Uh, a lot of it because of the uh, lyrical nature of the songs. And I'm not a lyrics person. And so it's very interesting that I actually really dive, dove into the lyrics on this. And it's because of the stories that are involved with it. Um, so I guess I'll go into the um, more rock song first, which is If I Had a Tale. Um, it starts out with this uh, kind of ringing little guitar. I don't really know what you would even call it. It's just it's just a cool little guitar intro. I love playing it. Um, yeah, not sure what you would call it either. It was a it was an odd sound. I don't know. It's it's kind of an odd sound, but it kind of gives like a nice ringing kind of sound to the start of it before it just kind of gets into this gritty kind of blues rock vibe. Um, and Queens of the Stone Age, uh, so it's kind of funny, they're described as stoner rock. So they're, yeah, they're described as rock music that would be very pleasing to like <laughs> probably smoke weed and listen to, but they're just kind of like very, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. That's, that's just what the genre is called, but yeah, yeah. they're always kind of a, they're kind of a laid back rock group. So they're not really, uh, most of the songs, they're not really like super up tempo. Like they're more um, kind of laid back, chill with the riffs. So they're not about speed ever. They're more about um, technical work and good grooves and a good vibe. Like that's what that genre of music creates is just a, like a vibe rock kind of thing. Um, and so uh, the whole song, um, and I kind of want to pull up some of the lyrics here because I just think it's fantastic, um, is about uh, giving, to not give in to your uh, desires in a way. So it's called If I Had a Tail. And basically the whole song is Josh saying, we all, we all just given the materialism. Like the only thing separating us from being animals is the fact that we don't have a tail. Like that's the only thing that separates humans from actually being creatures because most of us act on just instinct alone. None of us use our intuition or none of us are using our conscious minds. And instead we're just diving in the material things and we're just, you know, kind of caught up in just 
whatever technology or whatever else and we don't give anything a second thought um so the chorus goes um if i had a tail i'd own the night if i had a tail i'd swat the flies um just kind of like if i had a tail i'd just give in to all of that um instinct and that's all i would think about um and uh just to mention a couple of the other lyrics uh, it starts out gitchy gitchy ooh la la the do run run you won't get far which kind of sounds weird but it's it's yeah. actually a callback to, great on this one <laughs> it's actually a callback to two different songs so the gitchy gitchy ooh la la is actually from lady marmalade by patty labelle um mm -hmm. and the da do run run is actually a song um from the 60s so it was just um kind of incorporating uh just like a funny contrast of two really like older songs in pop music um but then i think the line that really kind of gets this song is i'm machine i'm obsolete in the land of the free lobotomy it sounds like complete nonsense but basically it's like I'm machine. So like, I'm not thinking like a human. I just think on, again, like that instinct kind of desire, but how like, we're also just kind of put together like robots and we don't really have emotion, like as a human race. Um, and specifically the land in the land of the free lobotomy is referencing how America is supposed to be the land of the free. Um, and the lobotomy part is, you know, I'm a psych major, and I thought this was really interesting, is actually referencing back to when when people had mental health issues, we thought a lobotomy was the way to solve that, which is where you, like, ice pick in a person's brain, <laughs> and basically saying that we are kind of controlled into thinking that America is the land of the free when there's so many things that aren't free about America. There's so many ways that we you know, even in just the past 20, 30 years have had to grow just to get into a point of like more freedom and like still a ways to go that we're all still just creatures and animals living here instead of like actual people sometimes. So, and uh, one of the great things about the song is not just um, its sound and its lyrics, but it's the guest contributors on it. So um, Dave Grohl, from Foo Fighters and Nirvana has actually been part of Queens of the Stone Age before, and he's playing drums on this. Alex Turner of Arctic Monkeys um, is singing background on this. Mark Lanigan of Screaming Trees, who's also been a part-time member of Queens of the Stone Age is on this. And Nick Oliveri, who um, had previously been a member who had kind of been fired from Queens of the Stone Age for a little bit, does appear on this. Um, Sam, you'd actually find this really interesting. Later on the album, Elton John actually sings on one of the tracks. Wait, um, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, folks at home, I am a big Elton John fan. I discovered that uh, not recently, recently, but listening especially to his deep tracks, I'm a big fan of Elton John. So that is interesting. Um, yeah, he got a lot of guest musicians for this. And it tends to be kind of a thing because he is just the, like kind of sole member of the band that he tends to like pull other musicians to get help on a lot of this stuff. So that's Dave Grohl is basically an honorary member. He drummed on a full album for Queens of the Stone Age and has gone on tour with them before. So yeah, 
Certified dad, Dave Grohl. Certified dad, Dave Grohl. We love him. Uh, Big Dave Grohl fans here at Music Major Meltdown. Big Dave Grohl fans. Um, So this is just a great, just a rock song. Like I said, a laid back. um, And it gets a little bit kind of creepy at the end because you can tell like the monsters, like the creatures are taking over at the end of the song. And there's like these creepy whispers, but it's like my favorite part of the song too. Um, But then the next song, I Appear Missing, is insane. So... It's a dreadful, it's a dreadful kind of sound. Um, I think Josh, like it, it's a very vulnerable sounding. Oh, vocal wait, go, go back for just one second, just to clarify. When you say the sound is dreadful, you don't mean that it's bad sound. I don't mean that it's bad sound. I Sam might think it's bad sound. I don't mean it's a bad sound. I mean it sounds like the screeching of the guitars. Fills you with dread. Fills you with dread. Like, it's, yeah, that's just one of Yeah, the guitar lines, it kind of like lends itself to almost like a little bit of doom metal. Kind of think, I want you, she's so heavy by the Beatles. It lends a little bit into that where um, it's got this very boom, 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 boom. I'm not even going to keep trying, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna give time. But it kind of just has this mellow, melancholy to dread kind of level of guitar. Really effective, really cool guitar lines throughout. Um, and the song eventually crescendos uh, into just kind of insane territory where everything kind of goes haywire musically. Um, with the drums, the guitars are kind of pounding and like almost sputtering out of control and then kind of gets caught back into normally progressing forward again. Um, there's some tempo changes. There's just some weird melodies that happen. And eventually uh, at the end of the song, it's Josh kind of like in like a crying falsetto almost, I guess, because he doesn't really scream ever like that's just not what his voice does um but almost like uh like a crying out falsetto for help and the reason this song is so powerful so I want to describe the music first because the lyrics are so impactful so let me just read you the first verse before I give you like the whole detail so it's calling all comas prisoner on the loose description a spitting image of me except for a heart-shaped hole where the hope runs out. So with that in mind, um, this is Josh Homie's death story. So basically he was on, um, he had to have a surgery and it's kind of disputed exactly how the story goes because Josh was kind of going through a rough time. So I think he kind of fabricated some details at one point or some misinformation leaked out. But basically, one of his surgeries caused him to contract MRSA. And he had also been going through some drug problems at the time, reportedly. Um, So when they were doing an operation to uh, do this, he contracted MRSA. And while they were trying to solve that, he actually uh, choked on one of his oxygen tubes and died. He was on the hospital table, dead. 
and they had to shock him back to life, a.k.a. the chorus, shock me awake, tear me apart, pin like a note in a hospital gown. Yeah, some really dark stuff. And then the rest of the song is um, so like that's really like the beginning of the song is like him dying because the rest of the song is the two to three months after where he was in just this depressive, like uh, coma like state, like not in reality, like he was awake and everything, but he was just forced to be bedridden for two to three months and just fell into this really deep, dark, depressive state. And he talks about in the song, how he feels like he lost part of himself throughout that process. And it took a while to get that piece of himself back. And so it goes, um, these last lyrics, I go missing no longer exists. One day I hope I'm someone you'd met. Um, Shock me awake, tear me apart, pin like a note in a hospital gown. Deeper I sleep, further down a rabbit hole never to be found. So you feel like he lost this part of himself. And then at the end of the song, that like crying falsetto is don't cry with my toes on the edge. It's such a lovely view inside. I never loved anything until I loved you. I'm over the edge. What can I do? I never loved anything until I loved you. He's not even talking to anyone except the other half of himself that he's lost and he doesn't think he can get back. It's a whimpering cry of like, will I ever get that side back of myself? And the song ends without uh, like resolution. And I think it's just one of the most beautiful things ever, but it's also heartbreaking. And that album just has so many emotions to it that I just, Ah, Sam, I want to know your thoughts. I know I'm probably not going to like him, but I hope I've won you over potentially. All right. I will, I will jump in with if I had a tail. So I was the first time I listened to, if I had a tail, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is all right. Then I listened to it another time and I enjoyed it a lot more. And then like, I think the third time I listened to it, I enjoyed it even more and listening to your description of it. I enjoy it even, even more. Like I, I, I'm really enjoying that song. I can really jam out to it. The main chorus with if I had a tail, I think is just that great, like heavier rock sound, great sounding guitars. Just gets a lovely you baritone voice too, doesn't he? He does. He does that nice mid range male voice that like almost any guy can sing along very comfortably to like, it just like, I mean, it really, it has that feeling of like just a bunch of bros together hanging out like I, like at the concert and they could just get amped together, jamming out to the sound. And so like the sound of it is great. And the meaning is deep is, has a really nice deeper meaning that I think comes across very well. Um, if I have any complaints about it, I would say that I almost think the sound of the music is a little bit too like, upbeat fun for the content of the lyrics but that's not really a complaint that's just something i noticed that's like i could see how some people could say that that type of thing so definitely a big win for um if i had a tip that was a good one and i could see um i can see how you would really enjoy queens of the stone age blake thank Um, you like I, i i understand the 
enjoyment of them as they a group. Just such an appeal. Um, and I will say, like, you know, some of that, like, upbeatness and whatever, even just, like, laid-backness is always contrasted with them by the – they always have these dark brooding sounds. They never – you can tell they never really – I'm sure you could tell this. They really focus a lot on the bass notes. Mm-hmm. They don't really they do. Hear, like, they do. the higher register notes on the guitar. Um, they really focus on the low power chords, really amplifying the bass, and, like, basically trying to be anti-80s. <laughs> I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They really, I could actually really hear that now that you say that, like it is very anti eighties. You're not going to hear much of a high sound from anything. Like the highest sound in the song was the monsters at the end, which I think is part of why it comes across. So jarring is that they have very nasally, like high pitched voices after hearing. If I had a tail. <laughs> like hearing those little, like, like nice low sound. And then something, gosh okay cut that out because that was not good well now that i said it you can't i'm gonna press that okay fine Uh, anyway so that's that's my take on uh if i had a tail definitely a big win okay oh no i'm gonna come across like such a jerk after you explain that it's literally the story of the time he died. <laughs> I almost feel like a jerk. But we're just going to roll with it. I, I'll be honest, I really was not, in listening to it, I was not a big fan of I Appear Missing. Um, I think it, and, and it was a weird sensation for me, because as I was listening, I was thinking to myself, like, Based off of the music I enjoy, I really feel like I should like this. Like, this sounds like other things I kind of enjoy. Why don't, why am I not liking this? And I kept listening and listening, and it just was the same feeling over and over. I'm like, I know I should like this, but I don't. And that feels weird. Um, yeah, I think the story behind it is really cool. Like I like I respect that and I respect the group. Like I said, like um, the uh, if I had a tail was great. I really enjoyed that one and enjoy it more every time I hear it. That I appear missing just I just didn't do it for me. It just really musically, I think the dread sound of it just kind of overpowered it a little too much. Um, yeah. And I mean. I, and, and, you know, I could I could try to make a justification and equate it with, like, I already struggle with anxiety. Why would I want to listen to something that induces anxiety? Could be a little piece of it. Um, that's also a little insight into my own life for all of you out there. Um, like, that, I think, was a little bit of a piece of it. And then it was just, just something about it and maybe it was intentional in the song but it's just something I noticed and felt and I couldn't really get through was it just felt like it never really picked up for me like it felt like and kind of it was that dread sound like it kept building towards something but it just didn't actually ever get there and like I said content lyrically I respect it that's cool that he found a way to make a story or make a really tough moment in his life into a into what I can understand logically is a cool song. But in terms of the music and then just sort of experiencing the lyrics, I got to give it an L. 
I got to give it an L. Last week, you gave Judah and the Lion an L, which I really love. Uh, so I'm not saying this is this payback. Is <laughs> I'm not saying this is payback. I'm not saying I planned it this way. And listeners, I promise I didn't plan it this way. And I was surprised. Like I said, I really thought I would like it. But this one, I just, I'm sorry. I got it. I got to give this one an L. I respect yeah. Judah and the Lion. And I will probably listen to some more. Or sorry, not Judah and the Lion. I respect Queen of the Stone Age. Um, and I will probably listen to more. But this one just didn't do it for me. So first off, I would say if you like that, if I had a tale, I would go listen to um, I Sat by the Ocean, which is also on the same album. So I, right. think I purposely try not to pick singles from albums. It's just not mm-hmm. my thing because um, I like to get you guys deeper music, uh, the deep cuts. So I Sat by the Ocean, I think you'd also really enjoy um, kind of that same laid back, but, you know, kind of all the powerhouses of If I Had a Tale, maybe lyrically less deep, mm-hmm. but um yeah because this album this album's a little bit more melodic than a lot of their other albums some of their other mm-hmm. albums are a little bit more hard-hitting but um there's I'll, I'll get you some songs for sure yeah but what's interesting about your opinion about if i i appear missing is i had the same opinion when i first listened to the album this was like pretty low on like my favorite tracks from the album even though overall i like thought this was like my favorite Queens of the Stone Age album um, at the time when I was listening to it, which like it definitely is for sure now. Mm-hmm. Um, but because then I like read and I'm like, all right, I'm curious, what are people's favorite songs? And everyone's like, ah, oh, I appear missing was the one, like that's the greatest Queens of the Stone Age song of all time, according to a lot of the fan base because of, you know, the story involved with it and the emotion. And I'm like, like right away, I didn't get it. Like, I'm like, I mm-hmm. don't get it. Like I get the story. I don't get the emotion until like, eventually, like you just listen to it again and you eventually understand how many layers there are. I think right away, it's hard to like understand how layered the song is, like how many layers mm-hmm. of depth and emotion there are to it until you listen to it again. And to your point where you're kind of waiting for the moment of despair, that's the despair it's like the whole song is despair and you just don't realize it until you get to the end and you're like wait i've been waiting this whole time that Mm -hmm. was that was josh's despair is that was like he was waiting for for something but he might have just been waiting for himself to come back yeah and it's it's kind of crazy. So like yeah, like I totally understand you giving an L. It's kind of like again, it's kind of a hard song. It's I feel like mm-hmm. it's a song you have to you have to get in a way. There's some songs that yeah. you just kind of yeah. like get right away, and they feel like yeah, that feels like a good song to me. And then there's some songs that just take you so long to process because they're just so emotionally complex. Yeah, so I guess with this one, like given that information too, um, I guess with this one to all the listeners out there, give like this song, I, I gotta still stick with it as an L, of course, because I mean, just on listening to the song, like just p- judging the song purely by its musical and lyrical quality, just sitting on its own, no background, no nothing. In my opinion, it's an L. But also understand that's a lot of people's opinion, sort of, that it's an L until you understand the deeper stuff with it. So 
I mean, I, this is kind of a unique situation. I mean, we technically always say give all the songs a chance, whether they're a win or an L. Like, like we we say give all of them a chance because at least one of us like it. But I suppose with this one, definitely give it a chance, even though I didn't like it that much. Like, because yeah. you might you might hear the stuff that I'm not hearing in it, and yeah. if you more power to you, like. Because I was an established Queens of the Stone Age fan when I first listened to mm -hmm. it, and I just didn't, I didn't get it. Like I had yeah. four or five other songs on the album that I liked more, and it's finally moved up to where it's like my second favorite song on the album, probably. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, folks, give that one a chance, and definitely listen to "If I Had a Tail." I, I "If I Had a Tail" is a fantastic song. I mean, every time I say the title, I feel like I'm talking about one of my elementary music songs. Cause it just sounds like the type of silly song you'd sing with kids. Like if I had a tail, then I'd be a monkey. <laughs> like if I had a tail, then I'd be a cow. Like just naming animals with tails. I don't, I don't know what this was for a cow. It sort of turned into an elephant. But, I really wish I could say our, our editor would have a challenge with this episode, but I know he's not going to edit any of this out because the editor is great. Yes, I will. You're not going to edit any of this out. You're editing some of this? I'll edit some of this later. <laughs> oh, you're editing it into singular videos. Yes. <laughs> on, my song is of the week. But before I do anything else stupid, my songs of the week. So I went... Uh, I went a different direction than I've typically gone in the past this week. I, I sort of, honestly, if there's any connection to be made this week between the both of us is we both picked genres and artists within the genre that we both really enjoy, but that we haven't talked much about. Um, you like we sort of talked a bit about the like heavier metal type thing, like Queens of the Stone Age. But my artist this week that I picked from is Dolly Parton. We have not touched um, like the closest we've come to touching country at all is with some of the folk stuff that I talk about, like especially Judah and the Lion and some of the other stuff. This Dolly is just pure country. And the two songs I picked for Dolly Parton, um, I know they are super basic. I know this is like the opposite of boy talking about the deep tracks, but I think they're worth talking about because we, because we have not talked about country at all is I picked Jolene and Coat of Many Colors. So starting with Jolene, just <laughs> starting with Jolene <laughs> right off the bat. If you haven't heard this song, then that rock you're living under must be kind of heavy. Yeah. Because even if you're living under a rock, you've probably heard the song. It is fantastic. So many groups have covered this song before. I've heard some interesting like acapella covers, which are cool. They're different like genre bending covers, but if you haven't listened to just the original Dolly Parton, Jolene. What is oh, wrong God. with you? Exactly, where have you been? Go and listen to the original Dolly Parton, Jolene. It's 2021, it's been out since like 1975. <laughs> it's been out for a long time. Get out there and listen to it. It, it, it has a great thumping beat. I, one thing I love about Dolly Parton and why I picked her, especially this week, is everything in almost like every song I've listened to from her. It's such like a like a like if you just close your eyes and listen, you can visualize 
almost everything she's saying, like in almost all of her songs, just kind of across the board, you get a visual that goes with it. It's like a built-in music video with her writing. And I think, and that's a really cheesy way to say it, but I think Dolly Parton is one of the best, and especially today, like in today's world, a very underrated songwriter because so many great songs with great stories, amazing lyrics were written by her. Jolene is an easy example, fantastic story about Dolly. It sounds like Dolly has a boyfriend of some sort and she's very concerned about this woman, Jolene, stealing her man. Jolene, 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 I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. And she just paints this vivid description of what Jolene looks like. Her eyes are like a breath of spring. Her voice is soft like summer rain. I cannot compete with you, Jolene. Oh, like I almost get chills. Jolene Parton we're talking about too. Like it's not like we're talking about some random chick off the street. Like no offense. I know. We're talking about Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly Parton is saying this woman is greater than she is. And like that's saying a lot. Yeah, I may have revealed a little too much about myself right there, but that's saying a lot. So Jolene is, I mean, just fantastic. It doesn't even need to, nothing else more needs to be said. Go listen to it. You will get a vivid picture of Jolene in your head. It is fantastic. So that is the Dolly Parton song that like everybody knows. If you have heard of Dolly Parton, you've heard that song. This one is another one of her, the other song I picked, Code of Many Colors, is another one of her popular songs, very popular, but it doesn't have the same appeal today. So it's one of her greatest hits, but if you haven't experienced a lot of Dolly Parton, you probably haven't heard this song. So go check it out. If you like it, you'll see what you, you'll see more of it. And that was a really weird way to say that. But if you like Code of Many Colors, you know you'll really enjoy a lot more of Dolly, is what I was trying to say. Wow. So, Code of Many Colors. Yes, thank you. Oh, boy. What a mess this podcast has become. Um, and it's all my fault. Code of Many Colors. Code of Many Colors. Like, don't talk over me. Code of Many Colors is um, just a fantastic story song. There's a lot of songs out there that you just get like, it's like a message song or like paints an image type of song. Um, there are fancier music words for that that I know we have learned at some point, but- Text painting, Sam. Oh, text painting. Well, okay, text painting, but this storytelling could also technically count as text painting. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's a little bit of a generic term, but this song I think just tells a simple but beautiful story that it's, I mean, it's just the most basic message out there. This little girl, her family is not that well off. Her family is, I mean, from the sound of it, living pretty well in poverty. And it's getting closer to like whatever, like wintry time, fall, winter. The girl needs a coat, but their family can't afford much for a coat. And so the mom has to make one herself from the scraps left over from other sewing jobs. And so she ends up with this patchwork jacket that she calls her coat of many colors. And you can tell her mom is just trying to sell it to her so beautifully saying, have you read the story in the Bible, the story of Joseph? 
he had a gorgeous coat of many colors, which was the envy of everybody. And look, now you have your own as well. And the girl goes off to school all excited to show off her brand new coat. And what do those nasty other students do but start tearing her down? Because they can see how her coat is just basically made of rags. And she gets a little upset about it. And she goes home to her mom. And her mom reminds her and she remembers herself that more important than how it's a gorgeous coat of many colors, it was made with love by her mom. And so she goes off to school with her head held high, still proud as ever of her coat. Because more than it's a coat that looks nice, more than it's a coat that like is the best coat ever made, it was a coat made with pure love by her mother. Now, I'm not always a super sentimental guy, but this song just ah, just hits some some just sort of my sweetheart center where it just, I just feel like, oh, this is just so gorgeous. And, you know, if you don't like the country sound, you're not going to like this one. So I can already tell because I, just because I know Blake, that Jolene had enough of a rock sound to keep him engaged with the music. And, but since Blake is not a super big lyrics guy and also not a big country guy, I knew giving him this song, it was probably going to be an L. But ignore him because he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I think genuinely, I think the song just has a really gorgeous story. I think you'll really engage with it. Again, it's that beautiful lyrics that tell a story her voice sells it and the chorus not to mention just has beautiful harmony from a choir and just has that I just love it I can't get enough of it of that just back and forth sound of like whole choir singing a little bit like I'm singing a line and then just the solo singer singing a little bit then the whole choir comes back and it's back to the solo singer and it just goes back and forth I love it. I think it's sweet. I think it's adorable. I think it's fun to listen to. I totally understand and respect anybody that just country is not their thing. This is pure country. So if country is not your thing, I'd recommend trying it because Dolly's worth giving a shot to. But I totally understand and I totally respect people who it's not their thing. The one other thing I would add before I'm going to jump in, get Blake's opinion on the songs. If nothing else, if absolutely nothing else, you gotta just respect Dolly as a person. Dolly has done so much good for the world, especially her communities around her. Like, if I remember correctly, she created Dollywood, not as like, I think some people see it as this monument to her fame and all of that. That's not the case. She created Dollywood to bring jobs to her community. She has a program that people nationwide, I think, can sign up for that if your child is between zero and five years old, they get a free book every month until they turn six or something like that because she wants to support literacy from that young of age and knows that books are not cheap. So she has a foundation set up for that. I want to say she at one point was offering a scholarship to every college or every high school student from some grades 
who made it through high school and were going to go on to college was offering scholarships for them. If my office fans out there, I'm pretty sure it was the basis for Scott's Tots was Dolly, <laughs> Dolly Parton was the inspiration for oh I mean, other people too, but I think was the inspiration for Scott's Tots. Like, I mean, they, they made Scott's Tots and really, I mean, it's the most, I love The Office, but that's the one that's episode I'm right? watching because it's so uncomfortable. But that's a whole other podcast that's music major television or something. Um, but, sorry. <laughs> um, but that, yeah. I, about five years. Music. Yeah. The goodness that Michael Scott promised in that is what Dolly Parton actually practices and preaches. Sorry, guys. If nothing else, get like respect, just respect Dolly as a upstanding American citizen who's been around forever. But as far as I'm aware, has never had any scandal, never any anything that would bring her reputation down. So. Blake, with our last couple minutes we got here, your thoughts on Dolly Parton? Um, Dolly Parton, obviously just an amazing person in general. Like, yeah, what Sam said about her. Um, let me talk about, uh, what was it, Coats of Color? Coat of Many Colors. <laughs> I've been screwing that up all week. Yeah. <laughs> Coat of Many Colors. Ain't that just nice? Isn't that just gosh darn sweet? No. Isn't that just boring? Oh my gosh, Sam. Oh, hold on, hold on. I showed your your <laughs> song. Oh, I showed your song a lot of respect. And you're gonna come in with that level of fire. Fine. I appear missing sucked. It was a boring song with dumb lyrics. All of that. See, now I know you're lying because boring is not what it was. It was boring in the sense that it just sounded like a city street. It was a mess of sound. Okay, well, that's your opinion. No, like, I'm, <laughs> I, was jo- I was being sarcastic. Yeah, I know you're joking, and I want to say I was joking as well. But <laughs> you also came in way more fiery than I did. I should have some <laughs> respect and some decorum. I'm like you, co-host. Why ain't that just real sweet there? Um, no, see, I I appreciate the sentimentality. I thought that like connection with like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat like thing was cool. Um, like lyrics, really nice and sentimental. I don't know. I'm just not like I'm not super sappy sentimental when it comes to my music. And frankly, I listened to country music a lot when I was really young and I got introduced to rock music and instantly got bored by country music. And I don't know, that song to me kind of just sounds like, have you ever heard of the Gaithers? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like Gaither Fest right there. Like she's in the gospel, like um, singing bluegrass with all of them, um, country and just real slow, soft songs. And just like, it's not my thing. It's just not. And Coat of Mountain Colors just doesn't really like this doesn't feel like it goes anywhere like it's fine like mm, yeah I, like, it, totally say I it's mean like, I would, the worst L ever but it just I would I would counter it like I totally get your point and like I said I understand like if country's not your thing then Dolly's definitely not going to be your thing because there's almost 
almost nobody is as pure country as she is. Because there's a lot of Dolly I do like. I just think there's some, she's one of those artists that there's a lot of things of hers I can like. You know how you have artists where like you like half of their discography and there's one half you know you're never going to like? That's Dolly for me. I there's there's always going to be a Dolly song that I'm not going to like just because she already delves in the kind of music I don't like, but that just makes it all the more impressive the stuff she does that I do like. Like Jolene, Jolene is very like um, I wouldn't even say it's rock. It's very uh, I don't know. Would you consider it bluegrassy? Would you consider it like? I don't know. It's sort of like that, the like more rock influenced country. Well, sort of like, I mean, rock came out of country. I don't. And then, but then also, then like where rock was started influencing back on country. So it's sort of like, I mean, like all music that comes out of America is this unique thing where it all like originated from. Yeah, like originated from each other, but then goes back and influences each other. Like you can pretty linearly describe, like going back to what we talked about with music history, you can pretty linearly describe music history. Like Bach influenced Haydn, who influenced Mozart, who influenced Beethoven, who influenced Strauss, who influenced Wagner. And like that, I might have flipped a couple around there, but like. You can linearly describe those influences and how they went throughout history, yeah. but it's like American music is weird. Jazz, it's like it's like jazz entered American music, and then jazz sort of created rock, which created country. But then country started turning back into rock, and then and then music. people injected jazz influence into rock, and then but out of the rock influence came like more of the poppy sound and then also out of rock further along it came hip-hop and like so you kind of like rock like like was from that and also from like previous cultural influence and so it was like other stuff meshing into american music and then from all that eventually came like electronic or whatever but then you get like all the fusion stuff you get all the like jazz rock fusion or progressive rock or like alternative country that just like is a giant amalgamation of each other yeah so it's like instead of it being a like linear progression of stuff american music basically like you can point to a lot of its origins in jazz and then like the really unique music that really started the defined American only in music was jazz and then then jazz. But then it's like jazz and then blues sort of then gave birth to rock, which creates like a center point of American music that lots of things like, instead of being linear become sort of like, what are those diagrams called that are like the bubble in the middle? And then no, not a Venn diagram. the webbed one, I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, like like the whatever the web diagram is, where it's like bubbles coming off of it and then bubbles come off of those, but then it's like bubbles that come off of those sort of Venn diagram into rock again or Venn into other stuff. So it would be literally impossible to draw it out. 
because it's a mix of like teach right now. I feel like I'm in your elementary class, like learning something. So, but the problem is, this isn't like I mean, this is something that the idea can be taught, but you could never actually draw it out because it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Jolene is great. Okay, so yeah, you're right. We gotta keep the ball rolling on this one. Um, Jolene is great. Jolene's yeah, Jolene. Okay. First off, I know you said boyfriend. I learned the song was actually about some, like, it was about her husband. Oh. And it was yeah. really like some girl she actually thought was going to steal her husband away from her while she was out on tour. And I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh. Man, imagine being that woman. I and, mean, and like, yeah apparently like the woman was taking care of her husband like maybe he had like an ailment or something while she was out on tour and her comeback at her was just to sing a song full of compliments about the woman yeah basically saying you're awesome but if you like and like i'm begging of you please Please don't 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 but she doesn't make it like this heartfelt love song sound. She writes the song musically as like if it's angry and like threatening. Yeah. Because it's almost like it's like the mix of like, I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. But it's not, I'm begging of you. It's like a, it's like the fight. Like, the yeah. It's happening. It's not like the aftermath where like she's crying or like so thankful or whatever. It's, like she's in the thick of it. Yeah, she's in the like, thick of it. And it's not, it's not, I'm begging of you. It's, I'm begging of you. Please don't take my man. Or I will it, take it's, my it's, guitar and bash you over. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say that. It's not, I'm begging of you because it would break my heart if you did. It's, I'm begging of you because if you do, that means I'm going to have to commit a crime against you. <laughs> like, like it's, yeah. I have to commit a crime. I will a crime have a passion, but a crime, but a crime nonetheless. That I oh. probably will go to jail for. Yeah. So, coat of many colors. Check it out. I really enjoy it. Might not be for you, even if coat of many colors isn't for no. you. Check out Jolene Blake. Just really quick, we got to wrap this podcast up. Coat of many colors. What do you give it? Oh well. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just I have to. I get it. I get it. Country's not for everybody. I appreciate you listening to it and giving it a chance and appreciating for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Even like, if you don't personally you like it. You'll probably like it. This is not my thing, but the lyrics are nice. Like it's yeah. got a nice sentimental value to it. So. So then Jolene, win or L? Yeah. Jolene's like a double win. Jolene makes up for you picking co- like color coat, whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Interesting. This is the first time we've had it. We've had Jolene, and I would have counted it as two songs. Fair enough. It, this is interesting. Today's, first of all, it's a double first. First day we've had two W's in a podcast. And this is also the first, or sorry, no. Well, also, technically, it's the first day we've had only two W's. First yeah. day we've had two L's in the podcast. And this is also the first L I've given a song. This is the first L you've given the song. I think it's the third L I've given a song. Yeah, yeah. So we have four four songs that the other person said were a loss. It's nice to be in the club to not like a song somebody else picked. Yeah, but yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I just do it anyway. because of the kicks. 
<laughs> oh boy. All right. I think honestly, like just addressing that, I think it's just I like things um, so passionately. And, like I'm very passionate with my music. Like I like or I hate. Like if I'm in between about a song, I usually try to come to like, okay, am I? Do I like this or do I hate this? Where I think, like, do I love or do I hate this? Where I think Sam is very much like. He can like casually like something and not really listen to it again, but it doesn't like offend him. Yeah, exactly. I'm more like, I like almost all of music. So I'll give something a win unless I actually don't like it. If I was going off of like stuff that I was definitely going to just keep listening to, I would say you'd probably have a pretty even win loss record. Which is because there's some songs that I liked, but I definitely wouldn't listen to again. And there's, you know, songs I've given like wins for you, I might not listen to again, but I at least had a favorable enough opinion of to not give it an L. So, anyway, this podcast has been an adventure today, folks. Really Took some unexpected turns, some interesting discussions, some, yeah, lots of stuff. Queens of the Stone Age, go check them out. Dolly Parton, go check her out. Um, For Music Major Meltdown, I have been Sam. And I have been Blake. Um, We all hope you have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Peace out, everybody.